It was Saturday, February 13th, 2016. Rebecca Friedrichs was savoring potential victory in a lawsuit, Friedrichs versus California Teachers Association, which was to be heard by nine justices on the Supreme Court. Rebecca's attorneys were arguing that she should not be forced to pay a fee to the California Teachers Association, or the CTA as it is known, and the fee was that she was paying was for the cost of collective bargaining, and Rebecca Friedrich said she did not agree with the policies and practices of the CTA. But a lower federal court had ruled that a long-standing Supreme Court precedent had given the state of California the right to impose these fees on the grounds that the CTA by engaging in collective bargaining, was providing a service to the state of California. So Rebecca Friedrichs had lost in lower court and the Supreme Court itself was closely divided. Four liberal justices were definitely in favor of maintaining the precedent while conservative justices had a dilemma. Ordinarily, they favor keeping precedents in place, but they need not do so if a prior decision had been wrongly decided. Justice Antonin Scalia was a strong believer in precedent, and he had never ruled on this particular question in any previous case, so it was not clear which way he would go. But as the case was being argued, Scalia tipped his hand when he said, well, the problem here is that everything that is collectively bargained with the government is within the political sphere. And with that statement, Rebecca and her attorneys knew they would win this case. But on February 13th, 2016, Rebecca Friedrichs knew she had lost. Justice Scalia died that day and the court ended up tied four to four, leaving intact the lower court decision that ruled in favor of the CTA. I remember that day well because Justice Antonin Scalia was an old friend of my family and we were distressed to learn that he had passed. So memories of all these events returned this past week as I read a remarkable book by Rebecca Friedrich, Standing Up to Goliath. In this book, she gives us the remarkable story behind Friedrich's versus the California Teachers Association. And I'm very pleased to have Rebecca Friedrich's with me today on the Education Exchange. Rebecca, thank you for joining me on the exchange. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Rebecca, let's start at the beginning. Whatever prompted you, an ordinary elementary school teacher from Southern California, to file a lawsuit against one of the most powerful unions in the United States, the California Teachers Association? Well, at the time, I had been teaching for 25 years, and throughout my entire career, I watched as the teachers' unions undermined almost everything I believed was right for children. For example, when I was a student teacher, I witnessed every day as a neighboring teacher would grab children and yank them and scream in their little faces just to line them up uh, after recess, and I thought it was child abuse, and I was told that it was because of the teachers' unions who defended this teacher using teacher tenure and collectively bargained grievance procedures that these children had no hope and I watched my entire career as children were abused in that same way and many other horrible things like attacks on school choice. And they were all coming from the teachers' union I was forced to fund. So how did you find an attorney to take your case to court? Oh, well, that, that was a bit of a miracle, I guess. So I had been fighting for 25 years, and I felt completely voiceless. 
And all of a sudden, I was sitting at my computer one day, and I had joined an organization called Christian Educators Association International. They provide liability insurance for teachers who dared to say, we don't want to be members of the union. We all had to pay them fees. But if we wouldn't be their member, they'd take all our money, but they would take away our liability insurance to punish us. So I had bought liability insurance through CEAI, and I opened this email one day, and there was a group of lawyers out of D.C. looking for plaintiffs to sue the unions because they had read another case called Knox that was out of California. And in Knox, the plaintiff had won against the unions. And so they felt that the justices had written in their decision some clues that they were ready to hear a case challenging uh, forced unionism in the United States. Well, so I noticed in your book that you talk about the, the unions as bullies in your, in your school. Uh, what did you mean by that? How can the unions be bullies in your school? I, the unions say they're very much against bullying. <laughs> the unions say a lot of things that aren't true. Um, they are the biggest bullies in America, in my opinion. They control teachers and parents and the educational system it, with what I call a culture of fear. They use fear, intimidation, isolation, and ignorance to control teachers to do what the unions want. For example, the unions are very much against school choice. They're against school choice because in most choice situations, teachers don't want the unions. And so the unions miss out on all that dues money. They collect billions annually from teachers, and they want more. So they fight against choice. And what I discovered was when I dared as a teacher, in just in regular weekly uh, staff meetings, the unions would come in and tell us that we had to stand against choice. We had to destroy vouchers. We had to make sure that, that no child was ever harmed in a school choice situation. And they would just twist the truth. And so when I did my research and discovered how great I believed school choice could be, for children and taxpayers and teachers, I said, hey, you know, I'm not willing to fight against it. When I did that, I was shunned and bullied for the entire year that they were fighting against vouchers. That's what they do. If you dare to stand up against something they're trying to push, you are isolated. You are shunned. You are labeled. You are um, just treated with, with disdain. Well, but hasn't this now changed because in 2018, the Supreme Court went back to the same issue that was on the table in the Friedrichs case, in your particular case, and this is called the Janus case. And in the Janus case, the Supreme Court says that unions cannot charge these agency fees anymore. So you lost in 2016, but your basic position has won approval from the Supreme Court in 2018. Isn't that correct? Yes, that is correct. And thankfully, we have finally won. However, while we were fighting the battle, we kept telling our attorneys and, and the public that, hey, winning this battle, getting the right to not pay unions is just the first domino in a long battle against union bullying and domination. We knew that the bullying would get worse once we won. And in fact, that is what has happened. You see these teacher strikes all over the country, red for ed. Teachers don't want to strike. 
teachers want to be in the classroom with kids, but the teachers' unions, during that Janice case, the very last words that came out of the mouth of the union um, attorney, Mr. Frederick, was something, this isn't an exact quote, but it was something like, uh, hey, to the justices, if you rule against the unions, if you give people freedom from forced unionism, the unions are going to have an untold specter of union unrest throughout the country. It was a threat, and they've kept it. And that's why these strikes are going on. Every teacher you talk to who's on the ground on those strikes, they're terrified. I've had teachers report to me that Antifa is out at their strikes. It's Teachers don't want to be there. They want to be in the classroom, but the unions are going to push and push and bully. It's now worse for teachers who uh, try to opt out. They get bullied severely. Many want to pay their local-only union. They're not allowed to do that. They get bullied if they dare to leave. So it's still really bad. But aren't the unions losing members since the Janus decision? Aren't a lot of teachers not paying their dues now that they were paying before? Yes and no. They are losing members. However, they raised the dues. Before the Janus decision came down, they raised the dues. Um, right now in California, every year, the California Teachers Association takes $700 from every teacher's annual dues. The NEA gets 192 Now they've just raised it again, supposed to go up in 2020. They can raise the dues without a vote. So when they lose members, they just raise the dues. Uh, second thing is, when teachers leave, the bullying is so severe. I have talked to thousands of teachers who want to leave but who won't leave because of the bullying. So we really, uh, my big goal, the reason for writing this book, is to educate teachers uh, that the unions are these bullies and are lying to them to empower them to get out because teachers don't realize it's the unions that are causing all this bullying. They're very deceptive. Teachers think the problem's coming from the legislature or from the school district, the administration. Um, so there's a lot of uh, deceit there. So our goal is to educate them. Well, so but don't most teachers actually like the unions to represent them? And, and aren't the unions fighting for higher pay for teachers and uh, saying we'll protect you if anybody tries to fire you? And so don't the unions just get – you may not right, like the them, but – say- yeah. yeah, the unions say they do all those things, and teachers believe it, and that's the problem. So teachers are really um, they're really confused because they think that the unions are getting them higher pay, better pensions. Teachers are unaware with the unfunded pension liability issues. They're unaware that the unions are causing those problems and unwilling to bend and unwilling to, to try different ways. Um, so teachers, yes, they appreciate those things that they believe the unions are doing for them. However, they don't know that the unions are also the ones pushing all these negative problems into our schools, like these discipline policies uh, where you can't discipline kids anymore, um, and attacks on, on, on values that teachers love. Really quick, I have a, a friend that I taught with for 26 years. She paid her union dues faithfully. She was a full member. About a year and a half ago, she was fired in three days. It was a job action against her. She hadn't done anything wrong. It was actually um, a misunderstanding. But her union never came to bat for her. They left her alone when she said, hey, where's my million dollars in liability coverage? 
They said, oh, that's only if you get sued. You're not being sued. This is a job action against you. If you have $100,000, we're happy to help you fight this. She didn't have $100,000. She lost her job. It's one of the best teachers I know. Teachers don't know. But what do you mean this was a job action? Because I thought that any time teachers lost their job, the unions would come in there to defend them. What, what was the difference here? Was a jo- what do you mean by a job action? Was there no well, longer the, the, the unions? The unions' liability insurance only covers you if you are sued. So let's say you molest a child, and now you're sued. They're going to defend you. But if your unscrupulous administrator just starts harassing you. Well, the unions will defend you if they want to. Maybe you're just sticking up for some union thing, so they'll stick up for you. But, if, but they don't have to defend you if it's a job action. So a job action is you're not being sued. You have uh, an administrator who's trying to fire you or who's harassing you or who's um, accusing you of something that you didn't do. So do you think then that the, whole, the, the Friedrichs case and the Janus case and that whole line of argument has not had the consequences you were hoping for by freeing up kid, teachers in the classroom, but it's actually had the opposite consequence. Are you, are you concerned about that? No, I do not think it's had the opposite consequence. I just think people are naive if they think teachers are suddenly going to flood out of unions and other folks leave unions in droves. Um, that's, that's a misunderstanding. Uh, this case had to win. It's a positive thing that it went won because now teachers have the right to leave individually. They can leave and stop paying unions. The problem is that so many folks who are involved in the efforts to help people get out of the unions don't understand the type of uh, severe bullying teachers are under. They don't understand what they're going through, so they're not messaging them properly to help them to get out of these unions. We need to stand with these teachers. We can't expect them to do it on their own. So that's why um, I developed something called Adopt-A-Teacher, where I ask people like communities and churches, um, places where you have a lot of people together, to stand with teachers, to educate them using my book so they can learn what's really going on, and then stand with them and help them to opt out of these unions, help them to stand together and decertify these unions. Then we can really make a big difference. Well, I've, I have been watching these strikes by teachers over the last few years, and I've been truly amazed that they're uh, has been uh, so much acceptance on the part of the public of teacher strikes, and yet you tell me that the teachers themselves don't want to go on strike. Is that true for most teachers, or is that just true for some? That is true for most teachers. When you see some of these strikes in the future, watch very closely. You'll see in the front of the strikes that they put uh, teacher union activists in the front, Those people are angry. They're probably going to flip you off, very crass. They are not uh, the average teacher out there. Then look behind them. You'll see the faces of teachers who are embarrassed to be out there. They have a coward look on their, uh, not they are cowards, but they are being cowered by these angry mobs. They're afraid. They do not want to be out there. If you cross the picket line, the unions destroy you for the rest of your career. There's a story in my book about that, Joseph O'Cool. He's still being harassed to this day. So teachers know that. So they 
go along to get along. That's the typical teacher um, personality. Just go along to get along. So they're out there, but they don't want to be out there. And, you know, we need to get that message out there, that truth out there, so that we can empower those loving teachers. So how do you, what do you see the future then? How, how do you see uh, the way we're going to go forward in education? Do you, do you think the charter schools are the right uh, way to go to create uh, new p- settings for teachers? I think charter schools are wonderful if we can protect them from unions. Uh, it's my belief that the way we fix the American education system is to get state and national teachers unions 100% out of our schools. If teachers want to have local associations where they stand together, that's great. That's what most teachers want anyway. But we need to get the politics, the the social agenda, the sexual agenda, the political agenda out. It has no place in our schools. Our schools were designed to be uh, places where we can educate children well and keep them safe and make them good citizens and um, and moral people. And none of those things are happening right now because of state and national unions. So I think there's a lot of hope because we won the case, because teachers have been empowered, but we need more people standing together with us, getting the truth out there uh, and empowering teachers so that they can do the right thing. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thank you for having me. It's been a delight. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me for a new Education Exchange podcast released on the Education X website every Monday at noon Eastern Time.